Hey, it's Mark. The word metaverse can mean different things depending on who you ask. To some, it's gaming environments like Fortnite that morph into global concert venues, drawing millions of fans. Others may think of high-end auction houses like Christie's and Sotheby's auctioning off digital masterpieces for tens of millions of dollars, or the zoning of digital land and constructing of virtual homes that sell for prices rivaling any brick-and-mortar real estate deal. Clearly, we're outgrowing the bounds of the web as it was initially intended, and the pandemic has accelerated that shift as much of our lives are now conducted online. Mainstream brands from Balenciaga to Tesla are jumping into this mixed reality era with virtual product releases. But what of pharma brands? Is this convergence between our physical and digital lives of real consequence yet for healthcare marketers? Should Pfizer and Novartis be doing direct-to-avatar marketing alongside traditional DTC? A lot of people hear about NFTs and digital art sales and think, well, how is this relevant to my life? Today, we'll be talking about some of the more relatable applications, including what it means for health marketers, with Emma Chu, Global Director, Wonderman Thompson Intelligence. Emma's authored a new report titled Into the Metaverse that explains how the metaverse is at hand, bits and pieces of it anyway. We'll ask her about some of the ways the physical digital convergence is impacting human behaviors, including health, and about some of Wonderman Thompson's own research that unpacks these trends. And perhaps most importantly, should direct-to-avatar advertising become a part of your next media plan? Emma, how are you? Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's, it's a great pleasure. Uh, so I just thought uh, we'd start by having you uh, define what is the metaverse? I like that Mark is starting in with a very difficult question, but <laughs> it's one that I can answer. So I have been asked by many to explain the metaverse in 45 minutes, 20 minutes, even in one sentence. So my one sentence take on what the metaverse is, is essentially an extension of our lives that's enhanced by technology. And we're already really seeing how our lives are being powered by technology uh, in multiple ways. And I think the pandemic has really accelerated that charge. You know, another question I get asked quite a lot is, is the metaverse here yet? Long <laughs> story short, uh, no, the metaverse is not here quite yet, but we're seeing slow iteration of it happening. Um, and that's largely led by uh, gaming. How I like to think about the metaverse right now is that it currently exists as a series of virtual worlds. So that's why we're talking quite a lot about Fortnite, Roblox, a lot of these games that we're, we're hearing about. And they're offering a world where we can engage in, hang out with other people, so on and so forth. I think the next iteration in the metaverse, we will see these uh, virtual worlds become interconnected. So we can have one online version of ourselves uh, moving across these different virtual worlds seamlessly rather than you having to create a, a new self per virtual world. And in the future, ultimately where the metaverse is heading is that we will see our uh, virtual and physical worlds fully converge and come together. So as we go about you know, our lives in the physical world, we can conjure up and bring up digital layers. Um, so I always think about how the younger generation, their understanding of reality will be very different from our generations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And as, as I, you know, uh, kind of um, waded into the report, which is some 70 pages, very comprehensive. And you, you had a number of definitions in there uh, from, from a lot of your sources. And there were over a half, uh, over a dozen sources actually that you interviewed for this. Um, I heard I heard that term a lot. You know, the layering of a digital um, life on top of of one's existing life, and uh, a persistence as well. Something that 
you can come back to and it and you don't have to reboot. Uh, as well as, uh, um, you know, this uh, notion that it's not controlled by any one entity, right? It's not controlled by any big tech company. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be shared and uh, it's going to be a, a more sort of inclusive type of an, of an environment, which I think a lot of people uh, envisioned uh, f- for the Internet. Uh, and that really didn't come to pass. And this convergence, which is another key theme, this convergence of physical and digital that you, you mentioned throughout the report is impacting human behavior in, in many ways, which kind of uh, forms the kind of structure for the report. And one of those ways is virtual possessions. Um, and I, I th- thought that might be a nice first stop here in our talk, because I think that's captured a lot of people's imaginations. That is, as I mentioned earlier, the anecdotes that you actually cited those, uh, like a virtual dress selling for $9,500, really shows that virtual products may be the future of consumerism, but many listeners of this podcast are probably wondering, should pharma or other health brands, you know, the physical ones show up in the metaverse? And if so, how should they leverage it to reach patients and HCPs? It's a very good question. So, you know, firstly, just to talk about why virtual possessions is interesting is I see it as a key shift in our behaviors and our understanding of ownership. So, as someone who likes to look at um, trends, I typically look to the past uh, to help inform of what's happening now and what will in, you know, give us a good indication of what will happen next. Historically, when we think of ownership and um, possessions, we would think of something physical, something that we can touch that's tangible. It gave a sense of status. It gave us this sense of ownership. Uh, and then millennials came along and changed that and said, no, actually, we don't necessarily need to own many things. In fact, we want to spend most of our income and money on experiences. And so when now we're seeing this shift to virtual possessions, so I see that as a combination of the the two things, the sort of physical possessions and these experiences coming together in the virtual realm. And if people are seeing this as a sense of ownership, as a sense of way of spending their money and a key engagement in what they have as part of their lives, I think is important for health brands to really think about how to connect with this generation, this audience that wants to be imparting their money or wanting to have this sense of I'm owning something here in this space. And it's not necessarily about translating what you have in the physical world into a virtual item. Uh, that's why I bring in the, the lens of it being an experience. So how can your digital experience look like that translate into something that you own uh, that's yours? I kind of like to th- bring those two elements together when I talk about virtual possessions. As our survey showed, there's a huge appetite for people wanting to spend quite a lot of money in this space. When we surveyed people in the US, UK and China of varying income and varying backgrounds, when we asked them how much would you be willing to spend on, and we asked them about different digital things, a home, um, I think there was like a designer handbag and and a bespoke uh, piece of artwork. All the answers came back and the average was in the thousands of dollars that they were willing to spend on these virtual possessions. So there's a huge appetite for it. There's a huge interest in it. I don't think this is going to go anywhere, especially as the younger generation grow up this will be kind of like a norm for them. This will be another space where they will be uh, investing in. Therefore, how can pharma 
think about this, perhaps not so much in terms of thinking about translating, as I mentioned, physical items into the virtual world, but more about how can this experience lend itself uh, in the, the sort of uh, virtual realm. Certainly a, a lot to think about there. Uh, you, you mentioned gaming, uh, which is one of the first er earliest manifestations of metaverse. And uh, we see that time spent on gaming arrivals time spent on social media and, and other media, certainly for young people, as, as you point out. So that's one reason why, quote unquote, gamevertising, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but that, that's my best guess on that one, it is a model for product discovery, as, as you say. What are the consequences, you think, for health brands of, of that trend? You know, certainly we, we've seen health brands advertise, do in-game advertising over the years, but this is a little bit of a different twist, isn't it? Yeah, so working in forecasting, we tend to like to mesh words together, hence uh, gaming and advertising melding together to create the word gamevertising, which you pronounce correctly. So well done there. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned that gaming has been a huge industry. And, you know, I think three or four years ago, we released a report called The Gaming Universe, where we started to see a lot of tech players trying to enter the, the gaming world with Apple, Google, you know, Facebook, now Meta, all entering these spaces. And now we're starting to see all these big acquisitions of gaming companies um, by huge brands like Microsoft and Sony even. So there's definitely a huge appetite in terms of it being a huge industry and there need to be more investment in gaming. Another note that I like to point out is, you know, gaming industry is bigger than movie and music industries combined. So there's definitely a lot happening. Uh, there's like millions, there's many, many people engaged in various games already. And the reason why gaming has been really at the forefront of uh, the metaverse conversation, it's because the way people are engaging with technology increasingly is like a game. Um, because the way they want to socialize, they, the way they want to start creating, selling, the way they want to visit a store feels more like a game because they're within these 3D environments. More and more companies are using gaming mechanisms to create their storefront, to create um, you know, the digital storefronts, to create their digital experience. As we're seeing that happen, um, there's definitely a lot more interest in how these gaming mechanisms can help elevate certain experiences digitally. Um, and I think what pharma companies and brands can really learn from this is how can you engage an audience that wants to be in these environments and may perhaps think of it as a educational tool, uh, engagement tool. Um, we've definitely learned there's a huge interest in um, building relationships through these platforms. So not only a brand having visibility, but a brand being able to reach out and build a trusting uh, relationship with people via these types of uh, gaming platforms. Um, so I think the way we're thinking about advertising as well is not, it's beyond just a sense of visibility and that direct exchange in terms of, we want to sell you X. Um, it is far more about wanting to nurture a meaningful relationship with people in a way that resonates with them, uh, that engages them as well. So that's definitely something that we're seeing a lot more and what gamevertising um, is allowing for as well. I saw one study or stat that showed that uh, gamevertising 
is set to grow to uh, almost $11 billion between 20 and 2024. So it's uh, really a, a growing space. Let's flip over to your what you call the connected well-being chapter uh, in the report and where you talk about some of the uh, health uh, benefits per se or health aspects of this per se. Um, you make the point that tech may play a, a greater role in our meta lives going forward from therapeutic virtual reality to digital therapeutics and prescription gaming, all of which are already here in one way or another. And um, health marketers, I think we're already aware of this. In fact, one of the, the big um, players that you cite, Achille Interactive, just um, announced this week that it's going public via special purpose acquisition company, um, I, I think sometime this year. Um, so they're, they're in the news uh, for their uh, prescription strength uh, game, which was originally uh, approved for ADHD, I believe. But when it's viewed for, through the lens of the metaverse, what, what's the takeaway uh, for, for listeners from this emerging class of, of meta medicines? So I work very, my team works really closely with the Wonderman Thompson Health team um, to help inform a lot of our health clients uh, what's important uh, in connecting their brand within the metaverse. And of course, I think within uh, uh, health and medicine and a lot of hospitals, like using certain types of technology such as uh, virtual reality is not necessarily new, um, but it's definitely evolving over time. And as we're watching the metaverse kind of, you know, lay down the foundations of what the metaverse is and kind of head towards um, the future of this uh, physical and um, virtual convergence, we are starting to see more people wanting to um, connect through technology. So definitely over the pandemic, there was a huge uptick in um, telehealth. And I think that has already helped propel people's um, willingness to have their health diagnosed or looked at um, virtually. So I think that's a great first step in understanding how where people's um, key attention is when it comes to how open they are to um, having quite private health uh, issues disclosed, um, you know, online. And as things move forward, if you're able to create more of a social presence uh, virtually, and this is what the metaverse at the moment is really focused on, um, creating this a sense of a virtual world where you can actually harness this sense of social presence. So it's like two people being in the same room at the same time. You may even cut out or reduce the need to go in person to see uh, a doctor. Um, and this could save a lot of time uh, for many, and it could be actually make it more accessible for a lot more people to um, have their health checked. Um, so I definitely think we have seen, you know, the pandemic has really accelerated our um, connection with technology. And as a result of that, in the health space, a lot of things that we felt we had to do in person because it felt more, um, offered more validation, um, we're starting not really needing to do that. And we're okay with it being online or virtually. So one thing we are noticing is more of our health clients really wanting to know how beyond just connecting with people uh, virtually can we you know bring a lot of our um, uh, offerings to life and I think these are the areas which 
in the metaverse in this space you're able to if you're able to get the right uh, number of people in there in this virtual space if you're able to have them engaged and connected you can connect them in a way that offers a sense of um, understanding education show off any tech capabilities as well because i think that's another thing that a lot of our health clients do have a lot of tech capabilities and offerings but a lot of people are just not aware of that so even being able to create a, a metaverse world um, is one way to show that off alongside additional um, technologies that's you know there to save lives as well so it's trying to find these connecting uh, tissues and putting them together uh, within this metaverse space yeah I, I like that point a lot Emma I mean I think if we you know learn one thing from the sort of beyond the pill experiment is in its second or third iteration at this point where pharma companies were adding you know apps um, and other adjacent adjacent technologies to to their to their drugs um, to enhance them and and provide more um, of a 360 degree kind of uh, patient experience you know that that would augment just the drug it, it was that digital therapeutics and, and whatnot, most likely, at least at, at this stage, are not necessarily a replacement for, but more of, of an enhancement of, of the existing, you know, their existing physical products. And, uh, you know, that, that might change going forward. But exposure, you know, on the patient's part to the, the fact that these things exist, I think is still a big, a big issue. You know, a lot, a lot of people don't realize that there's a prescription digital therapeutic that's approved, say, for ADHD, unless their doctor mentions it. You know, one of the big visions was that there, there would be a pharmacy, you know, that would specialize in, you know, these kinds of, you know, digital therapeutics. And we've saw several experiments with that as well over the years, MIT and whatnot, you know, kind of being the uh, arbiter of, you know, what would, what was trustworthy, you know, in, in the app store for health. Um, but, but I think awareness could, could use a boost and that this could be, you know, something that could boost awareness. You know, that if you, if you apply that digital storefront idea that you mentioned earlier to, to this area, to, to the connected wellness. So moving right along here, you know, I also wanted to ask you about Wonderman Thompson's research uh, on how, um, you know, people are turning to technology for health benefits. Uh, I think we both were intrigued by that finding uh, that um, many said that they're physically and mentally healthier thanks to technology. What do you think they're doing to unwind, so to speak? You know, can you talk about that finding in, in your report? Yeah, we had this great stat that came up um, from our survey where 81% say they switch on digitally to unwind. Um, and a few th things that we listed um, just to kind of clarify what switching on digitally means is, you know, it could be playing a video game. It could be engaging with um, a meditation app. It could be scrolling through social media. So it's various ways of engagement using technology that people associate with um, unwinding. And it's intriguing to find that stat very high. So 81% saying that that's something they agree that they do. Um, because I think, you know, it was only about two, three years ago, when people said they were actually having to go through a digital detox in order to unwind in order to have this sense of um, disconnection and relaxation. But now we've seen 
technology being used in a more positive way for our health. And increasingly, I think that's because we realize where our health and us, are, we're not at odds with technology. Technology is going to be our future. Um, in fact, in the survey, we also find that 73% um, of people say tech is our future. And if that's the case, then we need to find better ways to coexist with technology in ways that can channel more positive health aspects of our lives, uh, whether that's for um, you know, emotional health, mental health, physical health. There's a lot more consideration being channeled through different various companies, tech companies, health companies, working on various uh, projects, facilitate these things. So I do think health technology, the way we think about it in the future, it will be um, go hand in hand. Uh, it's already the case, but more so we will think about it um, as a united front. Mm -hmm. And then it was only a few years ago where we saw research showing that uh, fewer Americans were using social media. But as you point out in the, in the report, and certainly the experts uh, consensus seemed to be that the metaverse is not media per se, right? That's right. Uh, one thing when we spoke to our experts to really unpack what the metaverse um, DNA is made up of, uh, one thing that came back quite a lot was it's a, a social space where people interact. It's very much based on user generation. Um, so people need to participate and people need to make and create within the metaverse in order for it to thrive uh, and to exist in the first place. The way we've been using and thinking about social media and the reason why it's attached to a lot of negative health association is because people, um, particularly people who consume social media in a very passive way, um, so they're just scrolling and not participating, that's when it connects to negative mental health uh, associations. So if the metaverse is a space where we are actively part of and creating together, perhaps this is a, a place where we can avoid uh, these topics. Um, but yes, we are in early stages. And I feel like this is definitely something we want to continue to monitor. Um, but I think if companies are entering the metaverse very conscious of the issues that have that the internet have already provided. Um, we want to head into the metaverse uh, in a way where we think about, and a lot of people we interviewed have said, if we're thinking about creating a world or a society from scratch, what would that look like? How can we make it better than the one that we're already existing in? So I like that kind of idea of thinking about the metaverse as a space that we can all um, create from scratch and kind of make it a place that we all want to live in and coexist in the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a nice segue to perhaps talk for a second about the formation of meta societies, which is another aspect you touch on in the report. Meta societies uh, being, you know, a digital reality, if you will, that reflects our physical standards. So that these kind of groups are already forming in the metaverse. And there's an easy kind of read across to patient communities, which, you know, are uh, very much uh, abundant um, in uh, on, on, the, on the digital landscape already, and are really a fixture uh, for pharma marketers. Um, 
And kind of if we kind of layer that on top of the principle that, that gaming is becoming the new social, you know, as, as you've spent uh, several minutes talking about its importance uh, here, and many consumer brands are leveraging gaming platforms to debut their products and for digital store storefronts. Gamers are very tech savvy. They understand the value of digital property, but you can't necessarily say that yet about, you know, patients and and even HCPs for that matter. Um, But do you see, you know, patient communities being part of this, you know, meta society future? Absolutely. I think if we want to think about the metaverse um, as an extension of our lives, um, it will need to include all aspects of our lives. Um, so definitely, and everyone as well. So how much you engage in it, um, I think it will get to a point in our lives, probably quite far in the future, where it's not something we can avoid. So I do think it's going to be inclusive for everyone. At the moment, I would say there's a lot of infrastructure questions that's being thrown up, which is not unlike when we talked about the internet, when you know there was a... Um, an article that I found in uh, December 2000 by the Daily Mail saying people are giving up on the internet. They think it's just a fad. Um, and that was, you know, 22 years ago, 21 years ago, because the end of um, 2000. And look where we are with the internet. So I would say this, the ease of being connected to it, how accessible it is for people of varying backgrounds, um, I think it will become something easier to be part of at the moment yes it might be quite exclusive for certain people but i think the health industry uh hospitals uh in order to kind of engage and have a larger reach they need to be part of this uh, bigger metaverse uh, world shall we say and you know i within the report we do have um, a stat in there which says you know there's 4.6 billion active internet users around the world. So these are how many people already living some sort of online existence. And as things move on, if it's going to be integrating in our physical uh, lives and there can be digital overlays, digital touch points that you can bring up to, to offer additional information or this added layer within our life, I do think there is going to be a way to bring our health, our daily lives in a way within the metaverse that feels a lot more seamless, uh, where you won't be thinking about switching on or off uh, these tools or layers in a way. Because I do think, yes, we think about online, offline now, but the younger generation don't think about life in that way. It's just life to them, you know, when they Mm -hmm. go online or offline. So that's, I think it will become a lot more seamless. Right. And, And you talk also about some of the early indicators that people are getting used to this, you know, in, in their daily digital habits. And a lot of patients probably as part of their daily routines will go on their patient community and log how they're feeling or, you know, their experience with a drug or something. So that's already becoming ingrained behavior, you know, which is, you know, part and parcel of the, the growth of, of the metaverse. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of a cheeky question, but uh, should direct to avatar advertising, as you put it, become a part of Pharma marketers' future media plans? I think, well, whenever we talk about things like this, um, there's not a definitive answer. Every brand is slight, works slightly differently. Um, but I think it's definitely something to be aware of and to consider. So every time we speak to our one-man Thompson Health uh, 
clients, we definitely do say, um, this is something that we want you to be aware of. Um, and then we can help map out a strategy for you to see if this fits in as part of the, the metaverse strategy. I think it's definitely a new business model that we're seeing more of, um, sort of this direct to avatar. Uh, and I, I do think in the future, if we're going to have a physical version of ourselves and an online version of ourselves, we will want to be caring and thinking about our online version of ourselves, much like our physical selves. Um, and there's another stat in the report, which talks about um, wanting our online selves to reflect our real life uh, ethics and values. So 88% saying they want that. Um, so seeing there being a, a big correlation in how our physical existence and our virtual existence wanting to have the same sort of um, values and needs. I think therefore we would then want to care for our virtual selves in the same way. So what will virtual health in the future look like? We, we can have yet to unpack that. Sure, sure. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, that people <clears throat> are kind of leaving behind the notion of I'm going to go online and, and you know be anonymous and kind of leave my real persona behind. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who still uh, have that, you know, uh, think, you know, thinking uh, or, or motivation, but uh, that's not what you found in your research. I definitely think, yeah, in increasingly more and more people wanting to show who they are uh, and perhaps even virtually um, explore themselves more online uh, where they won't be um, perhaps in the physical world, don't feel like they have that same freedom to do that. So yeah, I do think people probably are, if anything, um, becoming more authentic online. Okay. Well, Emma, thank you so much for uh, helping our listeners become, sorry for this, but more well-versed in the metaverse. Really appreciate it. I like that. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You're too kind. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thanks again.